Welcome to the Learning Scientist Podcast, a podcast for teachers, students, and parents about evidence-based practice and learning. The Learning Scientist Podcast is funded by the Wellcome Trust. Hi, my name is Jana Weinstein, and I'm a professor at UMass Lowell. Welcome to this episode of Bite-Sized Research, in which we talk about a particular paper in a specific research topic. And the research topic that I'm talking about today is dual coding. We just had a couple of weeks ago, a longer episode come out all about dual coding. And today I'm going to focus on one specific study that addresses this learning strategy. So just to back up, dual coding is the idea of combining words with visuals when learning. And this has been shown to help later memory for various reasons, possibly because it makes the learning more concrete to put it into pictures and also have the words there as well but also because that could give students two different retrieval cues at later tests. So they might forget words, but still remember the picture. On the other hand, we have the idea of learning styles, which is different. The idea of learning styles is that each student has a particular preference as to how they learn. And that's of course true. Students, people, we all have preferences. But the idea of learning styles is that you would want to match instruction to that preference. And In the literature so far, there really hasn't been much evidence that doing so produces more learning. And the study I'm talking about today comes to a similar conclusion. So I'm really excited to talk to you about this study because the study is about language and it's about second language learning. And just a little personal anecdote, when I was in high school, I always thought that what I go on to study at university and then later, I guess, you know, do as my career was going to be something to do with languages. I was brought up speaking English and Russian in Russia by my mom, who uh, had never left the country, but spoke to me only in English, despite being in Russia, to the point where sometimes doctors would, you know, we'd go to the doctor and my mom would be speaking to me in English and the doctor would say to my dad, oh, is your wife foreign? Because being foreign was strange in Russia at the time. But in any case, that's my little personal anecdote. I've always loved languages. I grew up speaking those two, and then I picked up French um, also when I was a child. And so I always thought I would go on to study that and maybe do translation work or something of that nature. But that's not what I ended up doing. I ended up studying cognitive psychology. But this intersects, of course. Some cognitive psychologists study language learning. So in this particular paper, the author Sung Jung Lee at the University of Seoul looked at the teaching of English to second language learners. And the um, original language of these learners was Korean. So these are Korean middle schoolers who are learning English. And one thing about language is that sometimes small changes in the word that you use or switching out one word for another that sounds pretty similar and and might even translate to the same word in the original language makes a really big difference to the meaning. And that's what they looked at in this particular paper. They looked at pairs of words that when translated into Korean from English essentially mean the same thing. But if you switch one out for another in English, you change the meaning of the sentence. And so this is abstract, funnily enough, as I'm telling you, you know, the Concrete Examples podcast from before talked about how we really need to use concrete examples to make things easier to understand. So I'm going to give you an example here of a sentence that contains the wrong word of two that are very similar. So take the word 
to win and to beat. Okay, so if you win the competition, you beat the other team, right? So if you translate won and beat, the past tense of win and beat, into Korean, you end up with the same word. So it's very difficult if you're a Korean uh, speaker to try to learn this nuance in English. But let's think about what happens when you switch out one and beat. So let's say you're trying to say that one sports team beat another. And so the correct way of saying that would be, and I'm gonna use um, two football teams here because that's what was used in the paper. So this will be relevant to people in Europe, maybe less so in the US, but Real Madrid and Manchester United are two football teams, AKA soccer. And so a correct sentence would be, Real Madrid beat Manchester United in today's soccer match or football match, right? So that's all well and good. But now imagine that you use the word won instead of beat, which is the same in Korean. So you would end up saying Real Madrid won Manchester United in today's soccer match. So if you think about what that means, it sounds like this team, Real Madrid, actually won another team, like they got that as a prize, okay, which is obviously changing the meaning quite a lot. I'll give you another example later that's kind of uh, a little bit more morbid, but now I want to tell you about what this study actually looked at. And what they looked at was whether pairing this type of um, mistake teaching, you know, how one and beat are not the same thing, could be helped by including pictures. And of course, I'm going to include the actual pictures in the show notes because I can't show them to you right now over the podcast. But in order to illustrate this error, what they did was that they actually drew a team winning another team. And so what that looks like is that one team is standing there and then they're holding up a trophy. But instead of it being a trophy, it's like a big platform that has the other team on it as if that's their trophy. Okay, so uh, it's obviously quite ridiculous, but it visually illustrates the meaning of the, the wrong usage of the word one. In the correct sentence, Real Madrid beat Manchester United in today's soccer match, you just have a normal celebration of one soccer team holding up a trophy and then the others looking like they're sad and lost. And so the two images match. The only difference is that in one case, the losing team is actually the trophy because they were won. And then in the other picture, they're standing off to the side and being sad. Okay, so the question that was asked in this paper was whether providing these visual illustrations of the error would help students in the long run to learn the difference between those two words. And the way the study worked was that they pitted the idea of combining words of visuals against the idea of learning styles. The idea of learning styles, again, just to recap, is that students should get instruction in their preferred style. So if they like pictures, they should get the pictures. If they like words, instead, they should get an explanation of the error in words, okay? So what they did was that they had these Korean middle school students come into three separate sessions. In session one, the students were given a pretest just to check whether they already knew some of these nuances. And they were also given a learning styles questionnaire. And the idea here was that potentially you're supposed to be able to separate students into visual and verbal learners. But actually they did something very clever in this study, which is that instead of putting students in bins, which doesn't make much sense, they used a continuous variable 
from very verbal to very visual according to the student's self-reported preferences. In the next session, the students came in and they studied 25 pairs of these easily confusable words and they either studied them with additional explanation in words or with those pictures that you can see in the show notes. So just to give you another quite vivid example of two words that you really shouldn't confuse. Over and into. Okay, so over and into may have the same translation into Korean. However, imagine this situation. You haven't seen a friend in a while and you see them in town and you say, I ran into Chris in town yesterday. It was great to see him again. And now imagine that instead of into, you accidentally say over. What's going to happen? I ran over Chris in town yesterday. It was great to see him again. Dead. I added that part. But in any case, you can see how over and into, in this case, are very important not to confuse. And so a visual representation of that in the study was somebody running over their friend. It's horrible, but true. Uh, instead, the verbal explanation would be in the original language, so in Korean, explaining the difference between the two words over and into, okay? As well as providing the incorrect and correct example, but no pictures. In the test, students were given examples of sentences, new sentences that they hadn't seen before, and the sentences each included one error. Students' job was to correct that error. So, for example, it might say, I ran over Chris in town yesterday. It was great to see him again. And they were supposed to change over to into, but this wouldn't have been an example that they saw during study. So students studied 25 of these and they were randomly split into whether they got the verbal descriptions in Korean about what was wrong or the pictures. And so what that means is that you had both visual, supposedly visual and supposedly verbal learners in each of the two groups, right? So if the learning styles hypothesis is true, what should happen is that the visual learners in the picture group should do better and then the verbal learners in the verbal group should do better, right? However, what actually happened when the students were given a test is that those in the picture group did much, much better than those in the verbal group. And it made absolutely no difference whatsoever whether they claimed that they preferred visuals or words. And this was also then followed up with a test four weeks later where students came back and they did forget quite a lot over that four weeks. But once again, they performed better when they had received the pictures than the words. So the conclusion from this is that really, instead of focusing on preferences, we should be focusing on giving students information in a way that can help them learn regardless of what their specific preference is. And in this particular case, adding this visual representation of a correct and incorrect usage of a word was very helpful in order to promote later learning and understanding of which word should be used in each situation. If you haven't done so already, make sure to subscribe to our podcast on iTunes or wherever you get your podcasts. And if you're able, please go over to iTunes and make sure to rate us. It helps others find our podcast so that we can share research about learning. I'm Dr. Jana Weinstein, and thanks for listening. The Learning Scientist podcast is funded by The Wellcome Trust.